Today's message gives us a straightforward set of events. We are at the crucifixion of Jesus. He is being crucified alongside two criminals. And Jesus asks his father to forgive the people because they do not know what they are doing. Reminding me of the words we pray in our Lord's Prayer. Words that can be found in Luke eleven four that say, and forgive us our sins, for we forgive ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. Then the passage tells us what the people are doing. Some of them are standing around watching. The leaders are scoffing at Jesus, and the soldiers are mocking Jesus, and they put words above him that say, this is the king of the Jews, inscribed above his head for all to read. And the first criminal insults Jesus. But the second criminal, he shows us something different. Three times Jesus is told to save himself by the people in this passage. Taking us back to Luke 4 by echoing the words of the tempter that he used to Jesus in the wilderness. And reminding us of the reality of what these people, the ones that are just standing around, the leaders the soldiers, and the criminals have witnessed and experienced prior to the events in this passage. These people lived and walked during Jesus' incarnation. Many of them came face to face with Jesus. The people in this passage lived When Jesus walked around healing people. And many of them, many of them knew about or maybe even had experienced Jesus' miraculous powers. Yet, here they are, crucifying Jesus. These scoffers on a hill are displaying a truth about our human condition. Part of our human condition is that we are often controlled by our thoughts and feelings. But at the center of our embodied beings is our will, our spirit, our heart. And this core, this center of who we are, is formed in us one way or another during our lives. We see the reality of this every day when we turn on the TV. All that you can see on the news shows people and stories about how different people are formed based upon their actions and their lives. When I was an educator, one of the things that they taught us is that the children 
are going to go through a process of nurture and nature. And between the two, they're going to become formed little beings, and we have to work with them and meet them where they are. Well, John Wesley writes and teaches about a way of salvation that involves our core being transformed through God's grace in the process of spiritual formation. Our core is formed by the thoughts we have and the images we carry in our minds. We live out these thoughts and images as an embodied being. To understand what this means is to understand that God created us as social beings, as brothers and sisters. Our spirit is formed by our thoughts and our actions as we encounter and interact in social settings. And this is what molds our souls. Our souls are the deepest part of who we are. And our souls form our lives. I ask you today, how is it with your soul as you sit here today gathered with brothers and sisters in the house of our Lord? Choice is when sin dwells. Sin undermines even the efforts of Christ's own people to be his people. We can respond to God's grace to be formed into cheap Christians, or we can decide through God's grace and through spiritual practices to be costly disciples. This is part of what we're reading in this passage. You see, the scoffers on the heel are displaying idolatry of the human mind that pulls a person away from God. These scoffers on a heel are making choices in their social setting, choices that form their core, their will, their heart, and their spirit away from God molding them into people who are living outside of God's order to be people who surrender to temptation and sin. These people are showing the radical evil that dwells in the ruined souls, an evil that springs from egos and becomes monstrous. James 3.16 speaks about this truth. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in everything that is evil. And then we encounter the second criminal. A man who responds differently from the others. A man who rebukes the reality he is seeing the scoffers forming. A reality from their distorted, out-of-order formation. A man who sees what Paul writes about in Romans 3, 18. There is no fear of God in their view of the world. 
A man who knows that we are to fear our God. This does not mean to be afraid of God. Growing up, when I was told to fear God, I thought that meant I was supposed to be scared of him. That's not what that means. It means to hold God in reverence, to have a deep sense of respect for him as our creator. This second criminal, he is a man who understands and is undergoing a renovation of the heart through his choice to respond to God's grace. God's grace transforms his mindset for him to have the will to repent. And repentance is more than being sorry for what you've done. Repentance is rethinking your thinking. It's when you change the way you've been thinking and acting. We are blessed that we can repent in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and our faith and trust in his presence. But this criminal repented in the embodied presence of Jesus Christ face to face with our Lord. His authentic repentance opened him to regeneration. Regeneration is the entrance of God's nature and life into our real existence and identity. You know that born from above experience that we all encounter when we accept our call to follow Jesus? It's the transformation of our heart, our will, our spirit to be one in Jesus Christ. It's that knowledge that we have in our minds, but also the heartfelt trust in our hearts in Christ. Regeneration enables us to see, to have a vision of the kingdom of God, and it kicks off and enables us to grow in sanctification. John Wesley's understanding of sanctification, sanctifying grace, denotes in the first place the transformation of our wills and affections. We as human beings come to love and desire that which God loves so that the pursuit of sanctification is the pursuit of ultimate joy. And we do what is right and we avoid what is evil because that is what our transformed wills truly desire. You see, John Wesley is speaking about the same thing that a man named Dallas Willard writes about and is referring to the proper ordering of our human dimensions. You see, when we live our lives under God, we place God at the top. Our lives are ordered from above. We have God. Then we have our spirit. Then we have our mind and our soul and our body. 
Paul refers to this proper ordering in Romans when he speaks about the mind set on the spirit, which is life and peace. This proper ordering enables the spirit to abide in our core, in our spirit, in our hearts. This second criminal has chosen to seek Jesus' healing and the promise of God's kingdom. This criminal being crucified with our Lord speaks of the reality that all the scoffers have made the choice to deny. Jesus is our king. He is our king who will reign in his kingdom forever. Jesus turns and gives this criminal the only response that was needed. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus gives the second criminal the assurance of pardon and the promise of eternal life. A reality that is true for all of us when we take up our cross and follow Jesus. When we respond to God's grace in our life and in our lives and we let him be ordered from above, we become like the second criminal. People undergoing a radical renovation of the heart to seek God and Jesus and to love as he loves. Amen. Let us pray. God, our Lord of all creation and of all history, like the people in this passage, we often become disordered in our formation as disciples. Lavishly pour out your grace on us gathered here today to open our eyes so that we can respond to your grace to be ordered from above. To be people with your spirit abiding in our core. Amen.